This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. I want you to go through the whole Quran with me. Join me at bayina.tv. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إذ قال الله يا عيسى إني متوفيك ورافعك إلي ومطهرك من الذين كفروا وجاعل الذين اتبعوك فوق الذين كفروا إلى يوم القيامة ثم إلي مرجعكم فأحكم بينكم فيما كنتم فيه تختلفون رب الشحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Once again everybody Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh My intention today is to cover some things about ayah number 55 We started that discussion yesterday and I wanted to give you an overview of how Islamic scholarship has looked at the return of Jesus and what this ayah could mean Like I mentioned I already elaborated uh, overall, what my view is on the subject, what I'm convinced of thus far as the most you know, uh, sound argument about his return, alayhi uh, salam. And I don't see too much of a credence in the arguments against his return. What I might do in tomorrow's session is present the arguments that say he's not coming back, um, kind of survey them, and then maybe do a critique of those arguments. Just so you have kind of an idea of what's pros and cons and how that's, that's been talked about. In any case... Uh, what I want to start with today is the phrases again, Allah when Allah said, Ya Isa inni mutawafika wa rafi'uka ilayya wa mutahiruka min alladina kafaru. That first phrase, inni mutawafika wa rafi'uka ilayya. I've taken you and I've raised you towards myself. Some have interpreted that still as I'm going to take you and raise you towards myself, um, despite it being ilafa. So I'm going to read some things from Imam al Alusi, rahimahullah, who offers several ways of looking at this text and how people have looked at it before. أَخْرَجَ إِبْنُ وَبِحَاتِمْ عَنْ قَتَادَ قَالْ هَذَا مِنَ الْمُقَدَّمِ وَالْمُؤَخَّرِ أَيْ رَافِعُكَ إِلَيَّ وَمُتَوَفِّيكَ Like Ibn Abu Hatim and, uh, you know, speaks on behalf of Qatada saying this is actually a case of um, juxtaposition of the, pre- the former on the, the previous and the previous on the former. In other words, Allah says, I'm taking you uh, or I'm taking you away and raising you. But it actually means I'm raising you and thus taking you away. So it's flipped in the meaning. That's what he argues. And then they use the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, Ibn Alusi himself does not give the strength of this hadith, but I'm citing it as he cites it. Isa ﷺ did not die. Rather, he will be coming back to you before the day of resurrection. So that's a hadith that he cites as an evidence for this. وَثَانِهَا أَنَّ الْمُرَادِ إِنِّي مُسْتَوْفٍ أَجَلَكَ uh, so another possible implication that's been talked about classically is that I'm taking, I'm, I'm, uh, I've done or fulfilled your worldly time. You've spent enough time here. I'm taking full the time slot that you were given in this world and I'm going to give you a kind of death that is without pain. Meaning a, a death that is, you know how somebody dies of a heart attack or somebody dies because they got stabbed or somebody dies for whatever painful reason or disease. But the, you know, like the idea of a sudden death, like we don't know what happened and they just died. That's called hatfa anfik. And like the hatfa anf kind of a death is a death without no, a known cause or without cause. Just kind of somebody fell asleep and that's it, they died. 
and I will not let those who are going to try to kill you have any authority over you. فَالْكَلَامُ كِنَايَةٌ عَنْ عِسْمَتِهِ مِنَ الْأَعْدَاءِ وَمَا هُمْ بِصَدَدِهِ مِنَ الْفَتْكِ بِهِ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ So some say that this is actually alluding to the fact that you know when they tortured him, the idea that they tortured him and crucified him and all that, that Allah gave him a painless death even before any of that started. So in fact that he is crucified, some argue, and that all of this happened before, like the death was given to him before any of this uh, could take place. لِأَنَّهُ يَلْزَمُ مِنْ إِسْتِيفَاءِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَىٰ أَجَلَهُ وَمَوْتِهِ And that's because that would imply here that I have, because Allah says I've, pl- I've purified you from those who disbelieve, so they're implying from that that they won't get to torture you. They think they're getting to torture you, but I've already rescued you from that. Uh, so that's another way that that's been interpreted. وَثَالِثُهَا أَنَّ الْمُرَادْ قَابِضُكْ Another meaning is, I'm actually taking you physically. And I'm taking you personally from the earth. Meaning like the phrase, to take something in full or to grab it or to seize it. Another implication has been used, is it actually means sleep. Because as a phrase in Arabic, tawaffa can be used to, be, to put to sleep. So when he says, إِنِّي مُتَوَفِّيكَ I have put you to sleep. Is one interpretation of it. لِأَنَّهُمَا إِخْوَانٌ وَيُطْلَقُوا كُلٌّ مِّنْهُمَا عَلَى الْآخَرِ Because these two words are synonymous with each other and one can mean the other. نَوْمَ and تَوَفِّي can mean one or the other. Which is why even in the Qur'an, اللَّهُ يَتَوَفَّ الْأَنفُسِ حِينَ مَوْتِهَا And those who don't die, even in their sleep. So tawaffi happens in sleep and tawaffi happens in death. وَقَدْ رُبِيَ عَنِ الرَّبِيعَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَ رَفَعَ عِيسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ وَهُوَ نَائِمٌ رِفْقًا بِهِ It's also been narrated by Al-Rabi' that Allah raised Jesus, Allah raised Isa alayhi salam uh, while put, after having put him to sleep. So he's raised sleeping as a, a, an added mercy or comfort for him. وَحُكِيَ هَذَا الْقَوْلِ وَالَّذِي قَبْلَهُ أَيْضًا عَنِ الْحَسَنًا This quote of him being raised in his sleep and the statements that have been made before have also been attributed to Hassan radiallahu anhu. وَخَامِسُهَا أَنَّ الْمُرَادَ أَجْعَلُكَ كَالْمُتَوَفِّي لِأَنَّهُ بِالرَّفْعِ يُشْبِهُهُ It also has been suggested that I'm taking you away is figurative speech. I've, I've taken you away and raised you is figurative speech. This is close to something one of my students who's also doing a lot of biblical study now has argued, he's written a paper on the subject. Uh, uh, Sharif al-Dawa, he also co-authored the book with me, uh, Divine Speech. He does quite a bit of research on the biblical analysis of you know, Quranic passages that have biblical context. So he does kind of comparative research between those two things. And he's arguing that possibly one interpretation here is um, that he was in fact uh, shaheed. That Allah in fact, uh, you know, they, they did in fact kill him in the way that they killed him. But actually, the idea that ma qataluhu yaqina in another place, they didn't kill him at all, is suggesting, like other places in the Quran, wala taqulu liman yuqtalu fi sabilillahi amwad bal ahya. That you can't kill those who die in the path of Allah are not killed. Rather, they are still alive. And rabbihim yurzaqun, they're being provided with the rabb. So it's a kind of shahada that's being mentioned here, or the fact that they they got to destroy him or hurt him. He's above that. He's been purified from them or their company by shahada. So the fact that he was given death is okay. Then after his death, Allah raised him. And that, by the way, that account is if if we accept that interpretation, because we don't know which one of these is accurate. These are all theories. That's let me just say that clearly. Every one of the things I presented to you thus far, none of these is the absolute. 
without, without argument, this is what happened. These are all theories, including the fact that he's crucified, killed in that way, and he's martyred, and then Allah raised him into the sky, giving him life again. Giving him life again and raising him to the sky. Or even just raising him without giving him life again, and then giving him life later on when he comes back. But if we do accept that account, that if he is, he did, you know, because the Christian account for the most part is he died, and three days later he was raised. That it doesn't necessarily negate that version either. So far what we're saying is, it, the Quran doesn't, it's not necessarily saying that did not happen. So that's one, one side of the argument. And I, inshallah, as I, as I conclude this, you'll see how where all of this lands us. So again, that, that taking him away and raising him is figurative speech. وَسَادِسُهَا أَنَّ الْمُرَادَ أَخُذُكَ وَافِيًا بِرُوحِكَ وَبَدَنِكَ فَيَكُونُ رَافِعُكَ إِلَيَّكَ الْمُفَسِّرِ لِمَا قَبْلَهُ That he, I'm, I'm taking you all, body and soul, alive and well, not giving, letting you die here, taking you alive as you are, uh, uh, up into the sky. وَسَابِعُهَا أَنَّ الْمُرَادَ بِالْوَفَاتِ مَوْتُ الْقُوَى الشَّهْوَانِيَ actually also means I am when he says I'm taking you and I'm raising you is as if I am giving you an angelic kind of a um, an ability to leave this world and not be touched by those that are trying to harm you in the government so a miraculous kind of saving of Jesus so, so now having said that after all of what I just shared with you here's the conclusion it doesn't matter I just, all of that I said it, it doesn't matter you could have just forwarded to this part in the recording one day and just Heard that. But the reason I'm saying that is because Allah deliberately did not clarify. The point he wants, the point Allah did emphasize, the point that, that is implied enough is that he's coming back. And the fact that he's come back, he'll be given life again. The, whether he died at all, whether he was raised without being tortured, whether he was given shahada and then raised, whether he was raised before they even captured him and someone who looked like him was put in his place, any of those theories. True or false, because even the theory that somebody was put in his place is not from Islam. And that theory could also be argued, well, if that's the case, then it's as if Allah is allowing one person to be punished in place of another. And then also a counter-argument, well, they're also getting shahada, so that's a good thing. But then a counter-argument to that counter-argument that that was actually the disciple that, that betrayed him, so he's being punished. <laughs> so, you know, let's keep going in circles. The idea is Allah deliberately kept some things mutashabihat. They, you know, and this was deliberately done. So here, even if he even if he was killed or not killed, that doesn't matter. The fact that he's coming back, and and how do we know sort of the indications by the end of this ayah that he's coming back? And I have placed those who have followed you, truly followed you, above those who've disbelieved until the day or to heading towards the day of resurrection. Now, ila here as opposed to hatta yomil qiyama. Hatta is dharf, zaman. Ila is harf, makan. Okay? Hatta is for a time, until. Hatta means until. So you expect the ayah to say, I am giving, I, I'm going to place those who have followed you above those who've disbelieved until judgment day, until the day of resurrection. But when it says, instead of until the day of resurrection, towards the day of resurrection, ila yawmil qiyamah, as opposed to hatta yawmil qiyamah. The benefit of that is actually that you're right at the tail end where the, you know uh, how distance is measured in time and space? Like that country is two day flight or 10 hour flight. Or back in the day people used to say this is a three month journey. 
You know, this city is four months away. This one is five weeks away, etc., etc. Even nowadays, it's a six-hour drive. People don't say it's this many kilometers or this many miles. They say it's a seven-hour drive. It's a five-hour drive. So even in language, distance is, des- is described in what? In time. Especially when it's a long distance. But as distances become shorter, then a, a more common expression can also become actual distance, ila. The idea of ilah here suggesting that it's come very close. So it's not even translating until the day of resurrection, but actually very close to the day of resurrection. If the day of resurrection is still kind of a niha'i thing, it's really far away, then the, 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 an accurate or a more descriptive term for that would be hatta. But here, ilah is kind of possibly giving us that, that benefit. In any case, وَجَاعِلُوا الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوكَ فَوْقَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Now those who followed you are going to be placed above those who've disbelieved. Now again, let's, let's, let's explore that theory. The original followers of Jesus, who did not do shirk, who committed to the original teachings of the Torah because he confirmed the Torah, and then believed in the Injil that was given to him because he was given both, and fought against the rabbis and the corrupt elements of their society that had changed the book of Allah and wanted to stick to the original teachings given to Musa salam. those people never had political domination. They were never placed above. You know, literally above. Some argue, well, here it means in rank, meaning darajatan. The problem with that is unless you mention the mumayyiz, unless you mention darajatan, this one is fawqa, that one, this one is above that one, is actually literally having dominance or superiority or having a position of authority. This is why in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَالَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ فَوْقَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ People of taqwa will be above disbelievers on the day of resurrection. If you say that being above just means spiritually above, that means the people of taqwa are not above now, they're already above now. Why would Allah say they're above them on the day of Resurrection, because physically they're above them on the day of resurrection. Hell is a pit down low, they're up in heaven looking down. So they're physically above them. They're in a position of authority, they're in a position of advantage above them. So here, the idea of fawqa to be taken spiritually doesn't really add up because that's not Quranic usage. And so to have one above the other, جَعِلُوا الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوكَ فَوْقَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا suggests his followers have dominance. I mentioned yesterday, that if this is a reference to the, you know, the Christian empire, the, the Roman empire that became accepted, adopted Christianity, that was Pauline Christianity. Or that was other variations of, of, of Christianity that had already changed the original followings of Isa salam. So how can that be at tabaruka? They don't follow that, that, that particular quality. The other interesting thing is, if you accept the hadith narrations and the hint that he's coming back, then this becomes a very literal reading because those who literally follow you, not just follow your teachings, but follow you, like they're, he's right there and they're following him. Not just follow his teachings or follow his message, but actually following him quite literally. Uh, and that's very close to the day of resurrection. Then finally Allah says, uh, and by the way, Yawm Al-Qiyamah until the day of standing. The day of standing was important to mention. Uh, the, the resurrection has many names and one of them is standing the idea that we're going to be standing in front of Allah the idea that we're going to be answering for everything that we did you know the idea of standing in trial qiyamah is almost the idea the notion of standing in trial 
Anybody who's ever gone to court knows it's a nerve-wracking thing to have to stand there and testify and be asked all kinds of embarrassing questions and to have to answer those questions and the witnesses are watching and the, the judges watching and they're recording everything that you're saying and there's a typist that's also you know, taking note and all of that. You'd rather have a... You know, if you're from Pakistan, you know this pretty well. You should, you'd rather have a side connection with the judge and say, Hey, I don't want to do trial. Can you just kind of cancel the trial or delay it? Or how about you, de- 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 you decide that I'm innocent without the trial? How about that? How about you issue me a pardon and we just get it over with from the side, you know? The idea is in the, in, in, in the corruption that creeped into many for- denominations of Christianity, that is exactly what Jesus is supposed to do. Isa is supposed to get you off trial so you don't have to show up in court. Because if you believe in him, he already paid the price of your sins with his blood so that you don't have to stand trial in front of who? Allah. Because if you're going to stand in front of Allah, he's going to ask you about everything you did. You don't have to have any of that standing because Jesus is there. Yet he's he's leading his followers all the way to the standing Quite literally, he's taking his followers, getting them ready to stand in front of Allah and to be able to answer him, subhanAllah. So even in that phrasing, there's kind of an undoing and also a refreshing of the original message of Isa He is not a replacement of what was given to all previous prophets. It's not a new creed or a new theory. You know, on this note, we don't, I don't recommend that Muslims engage in debate with Christians over this stuff. I personally, I mean, there are some cases where that's okay. But generally speaking, if you're in the university or your co-workers are Christian or whatever and it's Christmas season, you're like, ah, it's da'wah time. By the way, he's not the son of God. And you guys are wrong about that. And it's like shirk. And your tree is shirk. And I'm not going to have your chocolate milk because shirk, chocolate milk. You know, wait, hold on. Before you, before you go there, the thing is, you, ha- you have to appreciate something about the Christian people. Allah, Allah described these people as people of soft hearts. Allah, oh, two minutes, two minute marking. Okay, wow, that, it happened so fast. I'm going to take five minutes because I said 10.50 to, where's Doc? Five minutes, and we should be okay. All right, so the, the thing is that we have to first and foremost appreciate, take advantage of the things that are sawa'in baynana wa baynakum. Let's talk about the things that are the same between us and yourselves. Our love and our loyalty and our acknowledgement and our appreciation of Isa and what he did is pretty high in Islam. He's a major figure. He's from Ulul Azmi Min Ar-Rusul. Talking about Isa salam in the, in the best of ways, as the Quran describes it, as Allah Himself describes it, is actually a really beautiful way to let Christians know that someone they love and admire is loved and admired by ourselves. And you don't have to bring up he's not the son of God and all of that. You you don't start you don't invite someone by telling them they're wrong. Right? You, you you don't do that. You invite someone and you find common ground, something you can both appreciate. I'm reminded of one time, I mean I this has happened several times. I haven't done a, a Jesus talk ever before a Christian audience, but I have done an Abraham talk before a Jewish audience. I've done that before. And I was talking about Ibrahim alayhisalam from Surah Al-Baqarah. And there were several rabbis in the audience, and one of the rabbis, who's actually a PhD in, um, in, in you know, in, in Hebrew studies, uh, and also studied at the, you know, the yeshiva institutes that they have. So he's he's basically got thirty years of scholarship under his belt. He was sitting in the first row, and I'm only talking about Ibrahim Ali from the Quran. That's all I'm talking about. 
This man sitting there is like, I cannot tell you, this long of a beard, the whole thing is soaked in tears. He's just in tears. I'm not saying a word about what the Jews did and what, how they changed the teachings of Ibrahim alayhi salam or, you know, because we could talk about that too. But if you're going to speak to people about common ground, you know, these, these ayat came, you didn't know this, those of you who have not been following the series, these, this revelation was given to the Prophet ﷺ when a group of Christians came from Najran hearing that there's a prophet, a man claiming to be a prophet. And they were Christian, and they wanted to know what this prof- prophecy is about. How are you claiming to be a prophet? We already follow Jesus. But let's see what he's saying. So they went and came to visit the Prophet ﷺ, and he had them stay in the masjid. So there was no hotel. The hotel was what? The masjid. And these are priests. These are priests. Guess where they prayed? To Jesus. In the masjid. They read their Bible. They prayed to Jesus. They did what they did in the masjid. At the invitation of who? The Prophet ﷺ. Today, in many parts of the Muslim world, if you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, and you go into a masjid, you can get beat up. Because you're not dressed in the, the, the proper gear. And you have people that are going into the masjid that are worshipping Jesus. And by the way, when someone says that God has a son, who gets angry? Allah gets angry. Allah gets extremely angry. He says, he gets so angry, every time someone says, Ar-Rahman has a son, the skies are about to tear open from those words. And the earth is about to crack open from those words. That offends Allah so much. But if it offends Allah so much, it should offend the Prophet. Isn't it? But instead, the Prophet is saying, no, come pray here. You know what we're learning? The anger of Allah has its place. But the slave of Allah cannot be angry because Allah is angry. It's two different things. The slave has to be merciful. Even when Allah is what? Because the slave has no right to be angry. Let me help you understand that and we'll close today's session and we'll, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. I have several kids and... You know, kids, sometimes not all seven don't get in trouble at the same time. One of them gets in trouble. What do the other ones like to do when one of them is in trouble? Watch the show. Right? We're kind of like... <laughs> and you're like, you go, let me talk to him. And even when they go, they're like... From behind the wall. You know what I'm talking about? Now imagine I'm upset with one of my kids. And I'm telling them, you, again, you lied about not finishing your homework? Seriously, you're going to do that again? And one of the other kids walks in and says, Yeah, this is the third time you did that. Excuse me? Why are you angry? Well, you know, you're my father, I love you. What makes you angry makes me angry. Do you understand that when a child becomes angry like that, they're being arrogant? They're out of, they need tarbiyah? This is not, that anger is not your right. That anger is only... But you're not the parent. You're not, you don't have that right. But I'm not talking about a child and a parent, am I? What am I talking about? The anger of Allah and the anger of the slave. The slave is inviting. The slave is saying, you do what you do. And the anger of Allah, that's for Allah. What do we do with the Qur'an? When Allah is angry, what do we use that for? License for us to be angry. This is a, we have to be careful about what what, where we have right and where we don't have right. Of course, what Allah does not like, we don't like. What Allah detests, we detest. But judgment over people and anger directed at people is different from anger at ideas. Ibrahim is angry at shirk, of course. 
Isa is angry at kufr, of course. But that anger cannot be transferred over to who? People. The people. That's a completely different notion. So may Allah you know, give us that clarity and not you, you know, take the book of Allah that is supposed to be a means of our humility and turn it into a means of our arrogance. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.